Welcome to Strategic Insights, brought to you by PrideStaff. On each episode, we bring you interviews with leading management and employment experts from across the country. Your host for Strategic Insights is Brad Smith. And now, here's Brad. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Strategic Insights, brought to you by Pride Staff. I'm your host, Brad, and today we have an amazing episode lined up. We're going to talk about transforming your business through embracing change and being open-minded. I am so excited to have our first member of royalty on the podcast here, Princess Sarah Culberson. Princess Sarah is a top diversity and inclusion expert and a Sierra Leone princess. Princess Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. So you have an absolutely amazing story. I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person and hearing this story, but for our guests who haven't been so lucky, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? I know that you weren't always a Sierra Leone princess. You didn't know that. In fact, uh, you were adopted and raised in the United States from a very young age. Share a little bit more of that story with us, if you don't mind. Sure. So yes, I was adopted and grew up in a loving, amazing, um, all white family in Morgantown, West Virginia. My birth mother was a white American, my birth father from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Um, they had me young, realized they weren't ready and said, we think we should give her to a family who could really take care of her and give her everything she needs. So I was adopted and grew up in Morgantown as we talked about. And then as I got older, I wanted to know more about biological roots, medical history. I had all these questions I wanted to get answered. And I was kind of wondering where to begin. Um, and I never wanted to upset my parents. I told my parents, no one will ever replace you. I love you. You are my heart. And there are just some things I want to know about myself. And they said, we love you. We're, we're here to support you on your journey. And I did this amazing class called Landmark Worldwide. And my friend who worked for Microsoft did this course. And I was sitting in the course and they said, tell the person sitting next to you where you're holding back in life. And I was sitting next to my friend, Art, and I said, Art, I'm really terrified to find my birth father. And he said, why? I said, I've heard it costs thousands of dollars for a private investigator. I don't know where to begin. And honestly, Art, I'm really, really afraid of being rejected. And he said, listen, I know a private investigator who's not going to charge you more than a hundred bucks, not thousands. And your birth father is going to love you. And all my fear came up, everything came up. And I said, okay, I'm taking on being open, loving, and courageous. So whatever I find out, I find out. But I don't want to be 60, 70, or 80 someday, and it's too late. So walking into the unknown, walking into the fear, um, walking into an uncomfortable space, not knowing how it was going to go. But they, the private investigator found my father within three hours, all the information I needed for $25. I wrote a letter to Marilyn when we used to write letters, you know, before Facebook and social media and everything. This is 2003. I wrote a letter, hand wrote it, mailed it off. And he said, let him be with it. Don't just pick up the phone and call because people freak out and hang up. Just write a letter. So four days later, I got a phone call after mailing the letter. And there was this woman on the other line. And she said, hello, Sarah. This is Evelyn. How are you? And I thought, is this that Jamaican woman I met the other day? Because I couldn't get the dialect. I wasn't expecting to hear from anyone so soon. She said, Sarah, I'm your auntie. We received your letter. And I started to cry. I said, 
thank you so much for calling. I didn't know if I would ever hear from you. I didn't know if I would ever see you. She said, Zeta, I was there when you were born. I used to take care of you when your birth mother would go to the grocery store. She said, hold on, hold on, let me get your uncle on the phone. Then my uncle gets on the phone and he's amazing. It was, oh, Sarah, we are so happy you've been found. Do you know who you are? And I said, I'm Sarah. <laughs> he says, you are part of a royal family. Your great grandfather was a paramount chief in Sierra Leone. Your grandfather was a paramount chief. Your grandfather was knighted justice of the peace by the queen of England. Our family runs a chiefdom of 70,000. You can be chief, you are a princess in this country. Okay, so just to be honest with all of you, all the fears started to come back up again. What does this mean, a princess? Do I have to be perfect? Do I always have to wear dresses? Now I can never say a bad word. You know, what does this mean? And um, this whole new world opened up and they said, we're gonna contact your father in Sierra Leone. He's gonna be so happy to meet you. And they contact my father. And what I didn't know is, in 2003 in Sierra Leone, it was actually a privilege to have a cell phone. So they had to get a message from village to village to village to get this message to my birth father. And during that time period, all of these different African family members started calling me who lived in the United States. Hello, Sarah, I'm your Uncle Ali, your father's favorite uncle. Hello, Sarah, I'm your Auntie Jenny. They used to call your father and me twins when we were little. Hello, Sarah, hello, Sarah, hello, Sarah, hello, Sarah. All of these different African family members are calling me, welcoming me to the family when I had told myself they're not gonna wanna meet me, they were not gonna wanna talk to me. It was a whole story that I had made up, all my assumptions, and none of it was true. And then after the two weeks went by, my birth father calls, and I heard his voice for the first time. And the first thing he said to me is he said, please forgive me. I didn't know how to find you after you'd been placed in adoption. Your name had changed, everything had changed. I said, no, 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 no. I need to ask you to please forgive me because I've been making you wrong my entire life just to protect myself and I'm not gonna do that anymore. And he said, okay. And we decided we wanted to meet. How do we do this? It's challenging for me. He said to get a visa to come to the United States. Could you come here? I said, I'd love to. I flew to Maryland to meet all those African family members, the ones who were like, hello, Sarah, hello, Sarah, hello, Sarah. We planned a trip for six months later to go to Sierra Leone. I get off the airplane, get to meet my birth father, and he was so nervous and so scared. It was as if his eyes were saying, please like me, please accept me, please like me. And I just went over and I gave him a big hug and I said, it's so good to finally meet you. And he said, it's so good to finally meet you too. And my aunt Amy, the chief's wife, was standing there and she said, turn around, girl, let me look at you, let me look at you. So I turned around and she gave me this big hug. And we took a ferry that night from Lungay to Freetown, the capital of Sierra Leone. And it's actually named Freetown because it's where the Africans who were taken and enslaved around the world were returned. So here I am in Freetown with my birth father, meeting everyone and traveling the next day to Boompay, my family's village on what I call the Indiana Jones roads, the bumpy roads to Boompay. My father gave me this beautiful green African dress. He had a matching green shirt. When we arrived in the village, we were welcomed by hundreds of people singing and dancing and everyone parted and all the women of the village came forward wearing the same green dress that I had been given that morning. Wow. And they were singing. They were singing in Mende, my family's language, pa tang 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 pa tang 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 pa do a do way 
Puda Sarah go to? They're singing, we're preparing for Sarah. I had never met anyone there. I was literally pinching myself. I was kind of this overachieving kid trying to constantly fit in, basketball star, homecoming queen, full scholarship to sh college. And then I get here and I realize that I don't need to do all that stuff. Just showing up was enough. That's another thing I've been learning on this journey. Sometimes just showing up is enough. So that's the 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 kind of cliff note version of the story of meeting my birth family. Oh my gosh, Princess Sarah. <laughs> it's just such an amazing story. And I want to dig into a few elements there a little sure. bit more, if you don't mind. So you've embraced change at so many points in that story. You could have just thrown your hands up in the air and said, you know what? I, I can't go through with this. I don't want to talk to this investigator. I don't want to talk to my aunt. I don't want to talk to my birth father. You know what? There's so much uncertainty. I don't want to fly to Sierra Leone and meet people that I've never met before. I mean, there's so there were so many opportunities for you to say, you know what? No, I don't want to move forward with this. But you embraced change. If you don't mind, talk to us a little bit how, uh, about the importance of embracing change, both for yourself and in business, and how much good can come out of embracing that change. Uh, this is a great question. I think embracing change is just completely the number one thing that is so important when we're leaders, when we're working together inside of community, because if we stay the same, we can't grow, we can't expand, we can't really impact a greater level of ourselves and others around us. And um, there are many times when I was very challenged. I still am. There are new things that come up all the time. And what I've realized is when I take the time to embrace it, these incredible new possibilities start opening up. And we have been able to, for example, listening to a lot of different people in Sierra Leone, having different voices, hearing the girls, hearing the boys, hearing the amputees from the community and hearing what change they had gone through. They had been through an 11 year civil war. You can't keep acting the same and doing the same things after war, things have to change. We've all been going through this COVID time, right? And things we've had to adapt and change. We're doing Zooms now, we're doing podcasts, webinars, and we've actually with adapting to that change, we're connecting in a lot of ways we didn't before. We could have always been on Zooms, but we didn't do that. We didn't realize how much we can connect in powerful ways. And when we actually embrace the change around us rather than it, resisting it, there are new levels of enlightenment, um, power, revenue, if you will, that actually start showing up when we allow ourselves to sometimes get uncomfortable inside of the change. And what I've learned is part of the change is being uncomfortable. And, and there was a CEO um, that I spoke with at AT&T and he said, I know I'm in the right place when I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful statement because change is uncomfortable and scary. But if we look at it inside of the context of, okay, I'm gonna be uncomfortable, but there are wonderful things that can come out on the other side, challenges too maybe, but very often the things that we worry about and fear are not even, don't even need to be worries or fears. There's actually wonderful things on the other side of it if we allow ourselves to step to the other side. 
and, and step into that change. So, so building on that a little bit in your story, you shared a powerful world word assumptions. And yes. whenever we come into a new situation, we embrace change. We, we look at that. We bring with us some personal bias based on our experiences. We assume certain things. And you, you mentioned that, that you assumed that maybe your father didn't want to talk to you. Talk to us about how initial assumptions can affect our communication, affect our actions, and how do we get beyond that as, as people and as leaders? I think that's a great question. Um, assumptions are incredible, and I don't think they're necessarily bad things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I think, learning tools if we take them on to, to kind of question and learn about our assumptions and ask questions. And I think when we bring our assumptions to the table, we can actually start to ask questions and learn from each other. But when we we don't always realize how our assumptions can sometimes, not that they're bad things, but how they can actually skew our views of a lot of things. So for example, in the hiring process, maybe you've hired someone from this um, certain agency and the person that came was wonderful. Now you're getting ready to hire somebody else and they're from the same agency and there's just this bias that happens. Oh, they're probably gonna be wonderful too because that person was wonderful. It's human. We have different kind of biases that show up, even charismatic biases. Like, oh my gosh, that person is so charismatic. I think they'd be great working here. Well, what are their qualifications? And how can they, you know, how do they work with us? Blah, 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 blah. Or sometimes we might make assumptions about people based on their culture, their religious backgrounds, so on, that are biases that we don't even realize we do. And, and that can actually get in the way. So I think assumptions are incredible tools for us to kind of learn from and check ourselves to see, hmm, because if I had stuck with the assumption that I grew up with through, for most of my life, I would never have met my birth father. We would not be digging wells for clean drinking water for the entire country. We've already started that are serving 12,000 plus people in the country. Wow. We wouldn't be working on a Disney movie. I, I I wouldn't be able to have this whole new family that's in my life and these opportunities that are just extraordinary. But if I had let my assumptions stay in the way about my father, about my adoption, about my my birth family as a whole, I would have missed out on such a, a purpose-driven life and a powerful new world that I didn't even know was possible. And that's, that's in my personal family, but it's also affected my business. And I've been able to grow. I have my own business. I have a whole team that we work with and it all came out of getting out of my own way. So a whole new world could start emerging through family, through community and through business. I love that. So we're all going to have assumptions, but we need to realize that we need to realize it going in. We need to realize that sometimes we might look at things with, with bias or different experiences, um, get over that, embrace change, learn about other people, learn about other cultures, learn about new things, expose yourself to different experiences and you'll grow tremendously. It's, it's incredible. And, and you actually learn more about yourself along the way as well. There's a really powerful learning that happens with yourself and others that um, is indescribable. And I think 
when I think about life, right, we're all born and then we're going to pass away at some point. So what are we going to do in between this time? Are we going to just stay comfortable with our assumptions and, and just do the status quo? Or are we going to like step out on the skinny branches and challenge ourselves and challenge our assumptions? And I don't know, I want to live to the fullest in this lifetime. And let me tell you, I get scared. I get confronted. I'm, I'm taking on some new projects right now and I'm scared. I'm going to be a hands down honest. Um, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, and, and I'm excited about what can happen as a result. And I think it's also important for us to take these risks and step out on the skinny branches as well, because it allows and gives others permission for them to do the same. They'd see that, wait a second, so-and-so did that. I could actually do that. And I think that also comes into acknowledging ourselves, acknowledging our challenges and stepping into them anyway gives others permission to be their selves and their greatest selves. Now, that's a great segue, I think, to the next topic that I wanted to ask you about. I've heard you speak about the concept of filling your own tank, of taking care of yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by filling your own tank and why it's so important to really live your fullest life? I love this question. So filling your own tank. When I think about that, and, and I actually did a, a course years ago, I, I'm always learning. I'm always, that's the other thing. I think it's so valuable to constantly be a, a lifelong learner, which my dad, who's a neuroanatomist, always said to me, um, always learn. And I did this course and they talked about how do you fill your tank? And um, I really took this on during when we were in lockdown for such a long period of time and thinking, wow, there's a lot of downtime what are some things that I can do rather than getting discouraged about the situation that we're all in? How can I find opportunities during this time? What are the silver linings and how do I fill my tank along the way? And I started getting out and jogging and being in nature because I grew up in West Virginia and the mountains and in Los Angeles, sometimes there are a lot of buildings and busy streets. And so I just literally, went down the street up into the mountains and started hiking and it literally filled my soul. I was able to think clearer, have more fun. Um, and we actually started creating a lot of different projects as a result of me taking time to fill my tank. And, and when I think about this as um, business people, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, managers, wherever people are in their lives, as, as parents, as, as family members, as daughters, as sons, however people identify, if we don't take time to put the mask on ourselves and take care of ourselves, we're no good to anybody else. And I know we know that, but we don't always, and I speak in the I perspective, I don't always remember to take the time to fill my tank. And in the last couple years, um, I have taken that on. And I think it's so valuable and it makes you a better person to be around <laughs> and a much better colleague that people want to be with when you take care of yourself. Oh, so, and much yeah, more that, effective. Yeah, it, it is. And it makes me think of every time you take a plane ride and they talk about the oxygen masks coming down, they always tell you to put your mask on first before you help somebody else. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. And it's, it's so vitally important, which leads us kind of, I think, into the, the next question that I had for you. I want to talk about the importance of celebrating accomplishments. Now, as 
business leaders. As we embrace change, you mentioned it can be scary. It can be scary for a leader themselves, but it can also be scary for your entire team. Um, talk to us a little bit about how maybe celebrating accomplishments can help us embrace change, get people on board, and, and move the organization and move ourselves forward. I think that embracing change is literally one of the best ways to move everything forward because um, and embracing um, and embracing really our accomplishments. And so let me think about this. I remember doing this course and this young woman got up and talked about how she was starting a whole program for people with physical differences. And she was doing a whole theater production and they got to be in the cast. And I watched her start from beginning to end and what she was creating. She didn't know quite how to do it. She was challenged, she was overwhelmed, but she got up and shared what she was taking on. And then we all got to go see this amazing production with young people who had all different backgrounds. There was a young person in a wheelchair. There was somebody else who had Down syndrome. There were all these diverse folks all in a room presenting to us. And we got to acknowledge all of them and her for the work that was created that we all got to experience. And when we did that and acknowledge her and them, they got to feel proud of themselves. And it also caused me to go, wait a second, what can I do that can actually do this? And the project that I was working on that wasn't really moving at the time, when I saw what she did, I got so inspired that I then took on creating a play week for foster children because I had been a foster child before I was adopted. And it was something that wasn't part of my everyday work life, but it's something that I wanted to do for others. And when I saw her and her accomplishments and seeing her being celebrated for something she didn't know if she could do, that's when I thought to myself, we have to celebrate each other all the time yeah. because it causes people to go, I can do this too. I didn't think I could, but I can do this as well. I think that's so valuable. That's amazing. And it's such a, a rallying cry. It, it brings everyone together, gets everyone excited, gets them moved forward. I, I love hearing that. Now, myself included, and I'm sure some of our listeners are sitting here thinking, wow, Princess Sarah, you're brave. You've embraced so much change. I don't know if I could be that brave. What would you say to those people that are maybe holding back, that, that understand that they need to embrace change, but just can't get over that hump? One of the first things that I always do is I, I write, I journal. I don't know if people do that. Maybe people could put it notes in a text to themselves or type it or, but I write out my fears because I, I get exactly the same way. And I start writing out what I'm afraid of, like dumping it almost like I, I'm going to empty, <laughs> we say fill the tank. And then I dump out my fear tank sometimes <laughs> and say, okay, these are all the things I'm afraid of and almost just let it all go in a sense. And then I start writing what I would like to do and how I would like to see it go and what could be possible and start getting into a new mindset. And I also share with people that I really trust that are lifters, because there are those people in our community and we have to be aware of this, they're like, oh really, do you think you can do that? Those are not the people you should be talking to. <laughs> Who are those allies that lift you that go, you can do that and talk to them and have them help hold you accountable with what you're afraid of because we don't operate inside of silos we need 
people, none of this that I've been able to accomplish, I can say, yes, I've been brave, but this has been a, a team effort. My family, my community, my friends, everyone, my partner, like my boyfriend, everybody has been part of making this happen. And it's been a complete team effort. And to not think you have to do it on your own and to not think you have to know how to do it all. I had no idea how to run a nonprofit. I did not study that, but I did not study business at the beginning, right? But what I've learned is working with some of the best people in the business, in the nonprofit world, in the business world, that's how I've been able to learn and grow through experiences and through actively taking things on. So you're not alone, write it out your fears, write out how you want it to go. And number three, share with the people around you who you love and hold you in a dear space and will hold you accountable. Wow. Great. Absolutely amazing tips. One thing that really stood out to me is your question, what could be possible? I think all too often we go into situations thinking what could go wrong, but that's a complete mind shift. It's what could be possible. What could be possible? When I went to find my birth father, at first, everything was dun, 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 dun. All I could think of was the worst things that could happen. I never imagined, and that's what's so powerful, I think, inside of this is that we can write, even write out what we want to see as possible. And let me tell you what, I guarantee things that are even more grand and more powerful will show up that we can't even fathom. And that's what I've noticed when we take on stepping into the unknown and being scared and walking into it anyway, that things we never could have imagined start showing up, not even just for ourselves, but for those around us. And it's, it's so incredible. So sometimes if you get fearful, think about it in a way of, oh, this isn't just for me. This is for the people that I love and care for. When I step out on the skinny branches, when I take this risk, when I allow, put my assumptions aside and take this on, I'm not just going to support myself. I'm going to support everyone around me. So sometimes when we don't make it about ourselves, that helps me a lot too. <laughs> when I'm like, oh, this is yep. put myself aside. It's like the work, and that's what propels me forward. The work that we're doing Sierra Leone, getting clean drinking water, I have to get out of my own way when I get afraid to ask for money or afraid to do this or that. Because I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about what we're doing and who I get to be. So just throwing that out there as well, if that could be helpful at all. It, it sure is so powerful. Princess Sarah, I want to thank you so much for sharing your amazing story with us, sharing your insight, um, walking us through how to embrace change and not run from it. It was so powerful. I really appreciate it. My final question for you is this, what is next for you? What change are you embracing next? I know you alluded to some amazing things that are happening. I want to hear a little bit more about those. So one of the main things, so I went to college and graduate school um, for classical theater. I studied Shakespeare and Chekhov and all these wonderful writers and Sam Shepard and everything and, and got to study with some of the best. Some of my teachers have won Academy Awards. I mean, it's incredible. So my, my roommates have won Academy Awards actually, um, or Tony's on Broadway. So it's something that when I found my family in Sierra Leone, my focus just went there in the work in Sierra Leone. And now I actually just spoke to some casting directors. I can't believe I'm 
I'm sharing this. Like very few people, my, does my family even know this yet? Like, <laughs> so I actually am, and we have a whole team working up with us with Sierra Leone. So that's still moving. So it's like out of building these different teams that we now have, I actually have space. That's what I mean about not trying to do things on our own, because when we actually build teams around anything we're doing, we actually have more space to take on more wonderful opportunities. And I'm actually stepping back into acting again. And so I have some, they're upstairs right now, but some sides and scripts that I'm reading and different things that I'm looking into. And let me tell you what, I'm scared because I haven't done this in years, but it's what my friend, two of my friends who are just like incredible actors are like, what are you talking about? You're a great actress. It's like riding a bike. You went to the top schools. You know how to do this. You just haven't done it in a while. So like get back on there and start doing it. So wow. it may sound so silly, but to me it's, it's scary. Um, but it is a dream. And what I also know is when I get the opportunity to tell stories that I'm inspired by or excited by, um, and now there are more scripts and there's more diversity in scripts that's happening. So I feel like this is a great time for me to get out there on the skinny branches and try something that I haven't done in a long time. And maybe do well, maybe fail at times, but that's part of the journey, right? It's part of the journey. It is, so, I love it. Thank Don't you for forget asking me, cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to say this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing. And don't forget to celebrate your accomplishments. Cause you're oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank yep. you. For that. <laughs> um, well, on behalf of, of pride staff and everyone listening, we really want to thank you uh, for sharing that amazing story, sharing these great tips. Uh, can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your spirit. And for those that are listening, if, if you're ready to embrace change, uh, if you need help in building a team like Princess Sarah just mentioned, be sure to reach out to a local Pride Staff office. We are here to help and support you. Again, Princess Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Strategic Insights brought to you by Pride Staff. Whether you're looking for high-level workforce consulting or staffing help to meet demands, Pride Staff is here to help.